Hey loves, I'm Marley Liss, and welcome to the Sensual Revolution. This is a global movement to reclaim sensual empowerment on an embodied and systemic level. My personal path of sensuality has not been easy. Shame around my body image, sexual abuse, and my queerness had me dissociated and numbed the heck out. It's been a big journey to get to where I am today, but I really have turned my pain to purpose. Along the way, I've learned our personal healing makes epic waves in this world. This podcast is here to remind you that your healing is selfless. When you learn to shed shame, love your body, and claim your worth, you pave the way for all people to do the same. Here, you can expect to hear from sexual educators and healers who work at the embodied level of sensual empowerment, as well as policymakers and justice leaders who work at the systemic level. It's all connected. So whether you're at the very beginning of your own sensual healing journey, or you're a sex-positive advocate and superstar, this community welcomes you. Let's come together and revolutionize this planet one loving, sensual step at a time. Hello loves, welcome back to another episode of The Sensual Revolution. I'm so excited to have a really amazing guest on with us today. Her name is Sarah Bruno and they do such incredible work. We have been wanting to connect for a while. We connected initially on Instagram. I saw them doing incredible burlesque performances and I was like, please teach me. I have had burlesque dreams for so long. They have yet to happen, but the seed has been planted and we did get to connect and share such an incredible conversation, which you will get to hear today. So Sarah is a budding psychologist, published author, professional go-go dancer, producer, and model. She's currently undertaking her master's in counseling psychology and is on the path of becoming a sex therapist. Through her research, education, community, she explores sexual reclamation, social justice advocacy. You'll hear a lot about her sex-positive feminist research today. You'll hear about how Western culture has shaped her experience of sexuality. We get into so much amazing conversation from how diet culture weaves into our experience of sexuality to challenging anti-porn feminism while also acknowledging the ways that mainstream porn can negatively impact us. We also get into Sarah's experience with navigating religiously enforced shame around masturbation and pleasure. I know that a lot of people in the queer community especially can relate to religious trauma and the ways that this narrative of sex equals sin that comes so much from religious institution has really negatively impacted us. So it's so beautiful for us to be vulnerable about those journeys and to come together in unpacking that so that we can claim something so much more beautiful and empowered and loving. She also shares really powerfully about sexual harassment and the dance industry. And you'll get to hear about the incredibly badass and important work she's doing as a burlesque dancer to create consent and policy protection for all dancers. So I'm really excited for you to hear this episode today. She weaves in a lot of um, incredible references for my academic gorgeous listeners. You're definitely going to receive a lot of resources here and it's just an amazing conversation. I also want to thank everyone who has purchased my ebook, my new ebook that I released last week, which is called 22 Journal Practices for Sensual Self-Love. And these are so much more than journal prompts. They are 
full out guided practices using your journal that really help you get into radical self-acceptance, sensual empowerment, and deep embodied presence. So there's a lot of somatic guidance and awareness woven into that. So it's only 12 freaking dollars and the price is going to be going up soon. So check it out at marleylist.com slash 22. You'll see the link for that in the show notes. So excited for you to dive into that and also celebrating everyone who has claimed their one-to-one call. This is a totally free call where you and I will hop on a Zoom. You'll receive guided breath, personalized support around your own reclamation journey, and we'll explore ways that we may be able to work together a little bit deeper. So check it out. Link for that is also in the show notes. But definitely get your ebook, marleylist.com slash 22. Only $12 for so much value. I can't wait to hear how this goes for you. So let's dive into today's conversation. I'm so excited for you to hear it. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to be here with Sarah. We've been connecting for so long online and we're finally creating this together. So I'm super stoked. How are you today? I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm also very, very excited to be here and it's wonderful to get to finally connect in a more, uh, a more long, long way, long format. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Agree. Yes. I know. Right. Like social media has so many, like 30 seconds, one minute voice, not only one minute video only. I'm just like, no, we, we need some time to dive into all the things. So first question that I'll ask is, who are you in this chapter of your life? And you can answer that in whatever way feels good for you. Hmm. Thanks for asking. Uh, so today I am Sarah. That is my birth name. Many of you know me as my um, dancer name or alias Layla. I've been dancing professionally for uh, about six years now. So I know um, lots of people in the online world know me or in, in the real world as well know me as Layla. So that's uh, that's who I am on both ends of that book. And my pronouns are she, they, and I'm really excited to be exploring my own identity and sexuality with you today. So I present as a, or identify as a queer. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yay, thank you so much. And can you tell us a bit about like the work you're doing or even like what you're learning about right now? And just some things, this is like maybe a big question, but some things that you really stand for. Mm. Yeah. That is a big question. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for asking and for the opportunity to explore with you. So uh, as of right now, I am taking my master's in counseling psychology. I graduated with a bachelor in uh, with a bachelor in psych and a uh, minor in sociology, as well as I have a diploma in arts and cultural management. So all of these different pieces of me and my research and studies, which uh, by the way, everything that I will be talking about today is research-based for the most part. I will also note that my own anecdotes, I'll be talking about what I am pulling from my own research. So if you need any of the articles or research or have any questions about anything I'm covering, please feel free to reach out to me. I stand for a lot. Um, Culture is something I am incredibly passionate about as well as sexuality. And I'm gonna dive into the marriage between culture and sexuality and how this has affected me because this is a big part of my research to date and also what I stand for. So 
Um, the way that culture has affected my sexuality, it started as a, uh, as a little girl, my relationship with my body and essentially Disney's version of girlhood, which is a article by Sharon Lamb and Lynn Brown, really paints a picture as to how like even media as a young woman is telling you who to be and how to be, what our bodies should look like, what our personalities should be like, and all of that, of course, shows up in our sexuality. They promote a one-size-fits-all version of womanhood. And um, as Mia McKenzie touches on it from a completely different angle than Disney's version of girlhood would, she talks about the package picture of womanhood. Now, mm -hmm. she's an absolute all-star. And she talks, she's a Black female who is kind of resentful of this idea that like womanhood is one thing. And when I read that, and as I grew and I've really explored my own identity as um, both a woman and then also as like, am I fully woman? What is womanhood? What does womanhood mean? What even is gender? Like all of these different like oppressing factors placed on me, I realized like all of these are cultural experiences and all of these are experiences that I have had as a result of growing up in a Western culture and then growing from like a young woman and this one packaged picture of what womanhood looked like through media coming into an adult and experiencing the adult equivalent, which was, in my opinion, hardcore porn. Mm -hmm. So we go from being expected to be Sleeping Beauty to Jenna Jameson, where you have these expectations of being essentially this one size fit all woman, but you go from the like subdued, you know, very like covered conservative, like passive woman as a child to like, well, now I have to be this complete sex object as an adult. And there's this dichotomy of like, well, I'm neither of these things. I'm my own woman and I'm my own person. And how do I fit into all of this? And so all of that confliction on top of one more little nasty culture I'd like to add, which is diet culture, mm -hmm. which was all about, and for those of you that, that don't know what diet culture is, it's essentially the culture that sets expectations around what our bodies should look like. It's a big should culture, and it's all about setting expectations around the commodification of the human body and the ideals of health. But to be blunt, diet culture is just not healthy. It's not healthy and there is no healthy part of it. It's designed for commodification. So these major oppressing forces, this like idea of what like one size fit all womanhood and woman should be really affected my relationship with my body. And so that is essentially where I came to in terms of like when you ask what I stand for. I'm a pro-sex feminist and I essentially stand for pleasure and connection and well-being, all wrapped up with the practice of consent and safety. And so that's a massive piece of what I work on personally uh, is I work on the relationship with the mind and body and overcoming these oppressive cultural forces and being a social justice warrior against <laughs> these like against these like very, very intense forces. I'm a sex positive or pro-sex feminist and I stand against and fight against the oppressing factors of the hardcore porn industry. Now I am not anti-porn, but we can get into that in a minute. The hardcore mm -hmm. porn industry, um, diet culture 
and the packaged picture of womanhood. I, I stand for each person being in their own expression and experiencing life from their, from their perspective and getting to, getting to find safe and consensual ways to explore who they are. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I hear such a, a gorgeous um, claiming of like experiencing the world from the inside out in that reclamation versus the outside in. Like outside in to me is so much rooted in objectification, obsessing over how we're perceived, um, dealing with the impacts of the way that people perceive us. So I love that you're standing for that kind of way of going through life where we're just like, that fucking sucks. Let's come back to our own centers and like get clear on what actually feels like pleasure for us. So, so much yay for that. Um, <laughs> I know you mentioned diet culture and that that's something you speak about a lot. And we do have um, episode 12 of the Central Revolution is all about breaking up with diet culture. So people can check that out. But do you want to share more about like the book that you published in response to diet culture and just give us a little baby glimpse into that? Absolutely. So Align with Love is one of my first published books and it is an anti-diet culture education book. And so what it, it, in, a, in, a, in a large way <laughs> brought down to one sentence is it's the shedding of diet culture's expectations and instead aligning the goals and expectations you have around your body with love. Mm -hmm. So once again, it's a very inside out. It's who am I? Who do I need? Like, who do I need to be? What does my body and my mind and this relationship between bo body and mind, what does it need? Mm -hmm. um, and I can tell you right now, it does not need more expectations. It needs, you know, we need to learn how to listen and how to be with these parts of ourselves in a way that is like genuinely holistic and healthy and loving and gentle. And so um, for me, the whole process was about finding a place where we could pay kind attention to the relationship between our mind and our body. And so um, that's a practice of mindfulness, absolutely. And as well, it's, uh, it's a major piece of how we experience the world. Because if you are ashamed of your, like, you know, your human suit and you're denying it or uncomfortable with it or constantly, constantly feeling like it's not enough, mm -hmm. um, that affects every facet of your life. That affects every, every facet. And so um, I think that exploring the way that diet culture, as well as I've done a lot of, um, I've done workshops and spoken on boards and done all kinds of like, um, I can't think of the word right now, conferences, sorry, and stuff like that mm -hmm. around um, what I believe utopian porn and sex positivity looks like, just because I think it's so important that we as people reclaim our mind-body relationship, our mind-body-spirit relationship. And it's it's much more about our experience and whatever that needs to look like than it is about what you want me to purchase so that mm -hmm. you can tell me the experience you think I should have, which is yeah. the patriarchy. Mm -hmm. Okay, so curious about what utopian porn is. And I know you mentioned that you're not anti-porn, um, which is so... So key, I just, yeah, I saw a um, post on, on Facebook the other day that I 
just, I feel like the goal of the post was to challenge objectification, but in the process, I found that it was shaming sexual expression on the internet, especially. And I was like, mm, agree that I, that we don't want objectification, but like also don't want that. So I'm just really curious. I feel like what you're going to share probably ties into something that that is an alternative to both of those things. So if you want to share more about like your thoughts on porn and what the heck utopian porn is, I'm just <laughs> <wondering> about that. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, that's all. It's my version of utopian porn. I should caveat. It's not just utopian porn. Um, okay. <laughs> but yes, no, I, uh, I definitely feel that there is so much shame rhetoric around porn because now that we, this, we have the statistics, we know most hard, like not most, hardcore porn is pretty toxic for our relationship with sex, mm-hmm. period. But um, I, I believe that like we have the right to sexual pleasure and well-being. So um, pro-sex feminism or a sex positive feminism was actually a, like invented as a response to um, anti-porn feminism. And so anti-porn feminism is this idea that um, porn and feminism don't have a place with each other. And I guess what uh, pro-sex or yeah, like someone who would be more on my stance now, now there's so many people and so many different ways to look at feminism as well as pro-sexuality. So I'm gonna be speaking based off the research of Hearst and Glick, but also my own anecdotal experience based on what I've dragged from their research. But for me, um, it's that there's not just one right way to be sex positive. And there are wrong ways though. And like non-consensual, violent, and like toxically addictive ways to promote sexuality and commodification and objectification is not actually allowing a person to experience and explore their sexuality. So I believe that um, sex work is real work Mm -hmm. and I am not here to, you know, shame anybody for the work that they do or the way that they experience their sexuality. If you experience, if you love like being on camera and showing it off, it's like, hell yeah, like get it. You know what I mean? Like, why not? This world is meant to like have fun and enjoy and, and be here for it. But the biggest thing that I need to drive home is well-being. Mm-hmm. Are you being well? Are you being good to yourself? Is this consensual, truly consensual? Are you deriving pleasure from the experience? And so I think that there is a lack of safety, education, language, and essentially like regulation mm-hmm. to support the safety around sex work. And I think that the result of that is in a lot of ways, the hardcore porn industry. And I also think that our education system is completely failing us in that regard, but we can go Mm -hmm. into that after. I wanna speak to somebody who is just incredibly powerful to me, Cindy Gallup. And she is someone who I totally admire. And I know I've seen Make Love Not Porn on your Instagram as well at some point. Oh, I already have an email drafted to her to want to pitch interviewing her on this podcast. Yes, she is like (laughs) overwhelming. If you got to interview Cindy Gallup, my heart, my heart, like literally be still. I am so excited for you. I I wish that for you. Um, Me too. (laughs) Thank you. so admirable and she is the creator of make love not porn for those of you who don't know and which is a social sex revolution designed to bring 
what is my perception of utopian porn. And this is real people having real sex. And she is, and I quote her here, she is pro-sex and pro-porn and mm -hmm. pro knowing the difference. And to me, I think that the way that we present porn right now is it's like, we expect, like, I'm going to give a little metaphor here. We expect like a fist fight in a bar to be like Jackie Chan's Shanghai Nights. Mm -hmm. It's like, you cannot compare the two. They are, one is like a re two real mm -hmm. people having like a visceral human interaction. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't mean to compare sex to violence there. It's more just the comparison to fiction and reality. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one is like, there's cameras, there's professional actors who are hopefully being paid. Like that's another thing now, but being paid and there's protection and there's safety and there's, you know, and there's angles and lights and makeup and, you know, and on the other, it's, it's real, it's raw and it's happening and it's imperfect. And there's not many takes, there's one take and it's not about a take, it's about an experience. Mm -hmm. And so I am all about sharing that experience. If you are a real person who is having real sex and it's consensual and beautiful and passionate and raw, and you want to show the world what you're putting down, I'm all about it. Like, hell yeah. And that's incredible for other people to learn. Like for me, when I found, when I first found Make Love Not Porn, I started making my own movies because mm -hmm. I was single at the time. And I was like, I need to find a way to spice up my sex life on my own because I wanted to be single. I was actively being single. And I gave myself a year of like, Sarah time. And in that year of Sarah time, I was like, well, I got to get down. So <laughs> I make love, not porn completely allowed me to explore the idea of like, I, I never, I never released any of my movies, but just made them for myself. Mm -hmm. And like, this is what this website promoted was this like idea that, you know, it, it showed me so many different forms of people having sex and there was individuals and stuff and it wasn't like some weird porn star with like a close-up of her like bleached vagina and like you know this massive vibrator and it was like oh this seems scary like my vagina hurts just looking at this like it was actually like people like having like very intimate masturbatory experiences with themselves that were very like real and raw. And it was inspiring to me mm -hmm. and it helped teach me how I could be with myself in a different way. And, and I think that that's exactly what porn can be is it can be educational and it can be real and it can be inspiring and healthy, but it has to be done right. And yeah. it has to be done in a way that like we can promote that. And so that's, um, yeah, that's kind mm -hmm. of my piece on um, sex positive feminism and uh, mm -hmm. and also Cindy Gallup because, oh my gosh, yeah. what a god. <laughs> I love that. And I've been so happy to see like so much more, I feel like, I mean, I definitely have a very specific um, social media feed, but I have definitely seen more awareness of like ethical porn and the distinctions between ethical porn and, and what has been mainstream porn and just the, the really important emphasis on like basic human rights <laughs> or consent and all of the things that, that you're naming. And I really appreciate that conversation. And I think when I think of my own relationship to porn and when I was engaging in mainstream porn, like something that is interesting to reflect on is like 
the the watchers the person watching like their relationship to the screen and what's happening in that in between space and like what's actually happening in our bodies as someone watching and I think that when I was engaging in mainstream porn I was mixing in a lot of guilt and violence and confusion and comparison because those bodies don't look like my bodies and that's not how I sound and that's not what happens to me and when I did I think for a while I was like porn is bad I'm not watching it anymore like I did that kind of extreme pendulum swing thing and then now engaging in ethical porn that's very choice oriented and I'm like this is what I want I need this to have um the relationship between me and the screen is so different where now it can be based in like empowerment and no guilt and like sense of safety and just like pleasure so it's a really interesting thing to reflect on so like thank you for giving us so much education on that Absolutely. And I think the word that in everything that you just said, the word that came to me was intentional. Mm -hmm. You're being intentional. You're not just like looking for, you know, whatever bright light is going to get you off. It's you and your sexuality are coming together like as one and uniting and creating a safe place to explore and be be there. And I think I've explored that pendulum swing in so many different ways myself. Um, So I definitely resonate with that pendulum. Yes, I know the pendulum swing is like, it's all over the place. So something I definitely want to know more about is um, your own experience with sex education growing up, maybe a bit about like the abstinence model and what that is and like, how that might have impacted you and just Kind of your views on sex ed in general. Sex ed. Um, actually, yeah. I am such an advocate for it. Yes. So uh, abstinence only education. So actually, speaking of the pendulum, this is a perfect moment for me to bring this up. So when I was a little girl, prior to a little history on me, prior to even knowing what masturbation was, I was masturbating. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what it was. It was just me experiencing something very natural with my body. I was told at a young age, you know, by my parents who care for me, they're like, you know, that's a private thing. So I knew it was something that I did privately, but I didn't really know much more about it. And, um, and then as I grew up, unfortunately, uh, the education that I received personally was from like, what first, the first education I got my hands on was through both my school, which I went to like a little farm town school and um, my church. And I was, I grew up Roman Catholic. And so my, my school promoted an abstinence only education where I still have a memory of a teacher telling me that sex is like a band-aid. And when you put it on the first time, it sticks. And then every time that you take the band-aid off and try and stick it to somebody else, it sticks less. And so this notion that like you are an object to different people who's like covering wounds and blood and all. Yeah, it's like absolutely. I'm cringing hard. Yeah, like what? And that was like, we're talking like, I think it was like grade five or something. Like, what are you talking about? And then um, uh, the other education I received was through Sunday school where it was masturbation was a sin. So I renounced masturbation. Like I learned these two things and was like, oh my gosh, this thing that I thought was like perfectly natural and perfectly normal and healthy, I'm horrible for doing like what shame. 
And so, and because I knew it was something that I did privately and it was a private thing, that's like the information that my parents had given me, I was like driven to this deep isolated shame. Um, and then at the time that my mom did try and present sexual education to me by that point. So she did buy like a beautiful little book and try and have a talk with me. But I remember that conversation was one of the worst conversations of my life because I was horribly ashamed of the fact that we were even having this conversation. Like, oh my God, like God is watching. Like, you know, like as this little kid, like you're just like, holy crap. Like I am, we are in trouble right now. Like, and, um, and then as I grew, like I, I do have a beautifully healthy sex drive. And so as I grew and my hormones started to come out, um, not masturbating uh, became more challenging. And so I would find myself like masturbating in my sleep. And then the next day I would wake up and I would self-harm because, um, and like self-punish because I was just like trying to like rectify this like bad behavior that I had done. And um, then after like a few years of that, I sat down and I remember this chat with myself. I sat down on the top stair of my home where I grew up and I was just like, you know, like I masturbated in my sleep the night before and I was just sitting there and I was just so um, like sad. Mm-hmm. And just it wasn't even like shame. I was truly just like, distraught because I was just like wow I can't not experience my sexuality it's coming out it's natural it's a part of me and that's when I realized and this was like honestly at like age 12 like what a powerful like I look at that little 12 year old girl and I'm like you get it mama like I sat there and I said to myself any god that would shame me for this part of myself isn't my god and I just like left it there. And yeah, I'm full tearing up. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. And so like I renounced my religion and became like agnostic. I didn't know what I was, but I was like, I now I know it is agnostic. And I I just renounced this idea that like I was like, I feel spirit, I feel it, I feel it there, but I'm not into this idea that you're gonna tell me what is natural for me. And it was natural. Like there was no choice in it. It was like, I'm doing it in my sleep. Like I'm not even, this isn't a choice, man. This is happening. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that whole experience to me really like at such a young age, having to overcome such intensity, like that just made me so comfortable. Like after that, like hard overcoming at like age 12, all of a sudden it was like, I remember in high school, like people would come talk to me just about sexuality, just because I was comfortable talking about it. And I feel like 90% of the people that were gay in my like small town came out to me. And I was just like, well, and I never really reflected on why, but it's like, well, because at 12, I was doing like hardcore shame work around my sexuality, which friggin' rocks. Yeah, like the friggin' rocks. But it's just like, it's been such a, it's a, it's a who I it's a big piece of who I am I don't want to say it's who I am because it's like a piece of the pie but the pie doesn't exist without it Mm -hmm. and so I I believe that our sex education programs fail most Mm -hmm. of our young adults 
And I commend myself every day. And I'm so proud of the strength that I was able to show and share because of my relationship with my sexuality. But I do not pretend that it is that, you know, graceful or simple for, for most. And I do also know that in abstinence only education, like, where are we going to go then? Where are we like, truly, if you, people are curious, they do have a relationship with their sexuality, whether you're asexual or all in every sexuality, like, and everywhere in between, you have a relationship with your sexuality. So if you are lost and confused, which most of us are, like, who are we fucking kidding? Like you get all these hormones and all these emotions and you're just like, what do I do? <laughs> and if the information that you're being fed is nothing, hide it, don't even talk about it. It's like, you will find a way to figure out what's going on. And mm -hmm. when you do, when we leave you with abstinence only education, we are sending you directly to what's available, which is hardcore porn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is horrific. Yes. So, I just think you outlined that so powerfully. And like, I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is true, but something I've said before and that I feel is that like suppression is the root of all violence, um, whether that's violence done to others or ourselves. And I think that is so real in the realm of sexuality. And I just want to appreciate you for sharing that story. And I did, I like full teared up when you were sharing that in that moment with your 12 year old self, because it's just so powerful. And I Oof, like religious institutions have done so much harm and not just religious institutions, but like something we've talked about on this podcast before we had um, Ariel Kaplan, who's known as Horgasmic, come on and she's a Jewish sex positive um, feminist. And um, we we're sharing about how, you know, Judaism isn't even sex negative, but because Catholicism and Christianity is like woven into everything, um, we all get those messages that sex is sin and it's just it's so sad and I think about the fact that like literally in um, freaking ultrasounds little fetuses are shown to be touching their genitals so like explain that culture like <laughs> so I just I'm so glad that you had that like divine sexual power to just be like Fuck that. <laughs> and that's 100%. And it wasn't easy, honestly. Like, it took me a while after that fuck that moment to, like, not feel guilty after masturbating. Like, it took me, honestly, years. But I worked on it. I was like, I'm not, I'm not feeling guilty for this. Like, mm -hmm. and honestly, I think that I wish that for everybody because I completely agree in what you said. I don't necessarily know that I've, I have the research to back it. Now, I do know that suppressed emotions can cause depression. Mm -hmm. um, but violence in, in all my research and sexuality, like I've written multiple research papers on sex work and I believe in legalizing sex work. I believe mm -hmm. in the legalization of sex work because I think that if people could go and safely express, if we had safe places for sex workers, mm -hmm. then people could go and safely express these people that maybe don't know how to have those interactions. They can be educational. There is opportunity for these places to be educational and experiential. And I think that then you wouldn't need to express, um, sorry, suppress. And then I also agree that there would be a lot less violence yeah. because I think that when people don't know how to like experience, and I'm going to use the word like get what they mm -hmm. want, um, then they take. Mm -hmm. 
and we're in a world of like non-consent men and unconsensual behavior and ultimately violent behavior. And I think that it's so, so important that if we could just get my, my, my whole journey with psychology, like truly started at the age of 16, when I would say I wanted to be a sexologist and people would say to me, ah, just because it has the word sex in it. And internally I was like, no y'all, it's because I friggin' had some serious masturbation shit when I was a kid and like, and I understand the like heavy weight and shame that can come from like this like sexual oppression. Mm -hmm. um, on top of it, I just think that if we could, um, like there, there was a program that I almost got accepted into and then the program just got defunded and it just mm -hmm. broke my heart. So it was right before I signed up for school for psychology, there was a program that I was part of that was going to help with sexual education in school. And it was from a the Saffron Center in Sherwood Park and I put my heart into it. I went to like four different interviews. I came up with curriculum. I wrote papers, I did research and I was just like, sitting there every day thinking like, oh my God, you are gonna be a part of the change that you wanna see in the world. Like you're doing it, you're doing it. And then right at the like 11th hour when we were like about to sign the papers, um, the program, sorry, I'm like having a moment as I say it, I'm like, oh my gosh, that was such a loss. The program funding fell through. The government felt that it wasn't a safe way to educate. Um, no. Yeah, so that fell through and I didn't get the job. And I realized how motivated I was to be a part of the change I wanted to see in the world. And I never thought that I was smart enough or like cool enough to become like a psychologist or a counselor. Like I always looked at that as like a mountain that I wished I could climb, but um, I didn't even have hiking boots, you know what I mean? And so at least, or so I thought. And then um, that moment, that loss, uh, I realized how important sexual education was to me mm -hmm. and how incredibly um, powerful and energized it made me feel to feel that I could be a part of the change. I, <laughs> and so I actually ran off to the jungle for a month because <laughs> I was so scared. <laughs> oh my gosh, where did you go? In your Costa Rica. I spent a month okay. in Costa Rica. Just be, I decided to become yeah. a yoga instructor because I was just like, lost. I was lost. Yeah, I yeah. thought I had this job and I didn't have it. And I'm just laughing at like, what do you do when you feel lost? You become a yoga instructor. I'm like, yeah. I did that. <laughs> I know. I wish it was neat and tidy. I wish it was like, and so I went into psychology. It's like, and so I ran off to the jungle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I was in the jungle, I actually had an incredible moment with um, so many women there where they were asking me to burlesque dance with them and teach them the dancing that I do. And they were like, man, like talk to me about sexuality. Like no one wants to talk to me about this. And yeah. then in one of my practices, I was sitting there and I thought to myself, like the world is telling you, this is your path. Like mm -hmm. you came here to escape the path and the path is here because I was trying to actually be quite quiet in my yoga teacher training, which is not who I am at all, but I was trying because I was like, I just need to like be with me. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was inevitable. It was like, this is where you go. This is a part of you. People come to you and seek this information because you've done this work and it's apparent like you, you embody your own sexuality. And it's not what, it's not this like, fuck your way to freedom. Like we got to be liberated and powerful women. It's, it's, 
I am me and that is liberation. And you don't need to tell me how much sex I need to have or when to masturbate. Like I got that. And as long as I'm doing it consensually, I'm going to experience me as I need to. And sometimes that is like roaring and fun. And other times it's very quiet and subdued, but it's fluid. And as you said, like there's chapters in our lives. And what I noticed when I was there was this was me. And whether I had this job or I didn't have this job, like sexual education, working with people and their sexuality, and as well, like my own work, my own internal work with my own sexuality, like that's a part of my aura. It's a part of my energy and you can mm -hmm. feel it when you're around me. And so it's like, stop denying it and start tending to it. And so that's when I decided to take on the, um, the path of becoming a counselor, because to me, mm -hmm. that was the 16 year old dream of being a sexologist. And I was like, okay, let's take the steps to become a counselor. And that'll give you time to dive into research around sexuality and how comfortable you are talking about sexuality and talk to other academics about their sexuality and explore queer theory, which is so freaking cool. <laughs> yeah, I love that. This is a, a uh, in the work stream for me as well. So I'm just like excited and I love that. Um, I also really appreciate what you've been sharing. Like it's woven through several things you've shared around um, sex positivity, not having to look a certain way, not having to look one way. And I think so often, again, it's that pendulum swing where we feel like we either have to like conform to objectification and try to copy what the people in hardcore mainstream porn are doing like there's that like conformity and then often we'll pendulum swing right into rebellion where everything we're doing is like from a fuck you to society but it's like like you said is it actually coming from our own desire and is it honoring our boundaries and is it prioritizing our our well-being so I love that you've emphasized that so many times where it's like it's not about um, doing it for anyone else or even against anyone else. It's about like centering the self and being like, what do I actually want and need? Does that like feel reflective of what you feel? Yeah. Absolutely it. That is absolutely it. Cause I feel like when I went that pendulum for me was like abstinence to like complete sluttery and mm -hmm. I am all about like slut 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 be away hot like you know fuck away have fun do what you need to do but take care of yourself mm -hmm. and what I can say is I've done it both ways and one way is incredibly exciting and empowering and fun and playful and explorative mm -hmm. and one way is like, you know, like I remember I wanted to be like Samantha Jones, you know, like I just wanted that like powerful. And then I realized like that was the patriarchy. That was the patriarchy coming to me packaged in a different way. Like that wasn't my truth. I didn't want to just like give my body away because I felt like that's what a powerful woman does. Like I wanted to give my body when it was time for it to be received by loving arms. And what consent looked like for me was coming into that exploration. And I can't tell you how incredibly important it is and how beautiful it is to hear you mirror my beliefs because that is what I believe. I truly believe that you can be an ethical slut. And I truly believe that you can also be incredibly satiated in a monogamous relationship and on your own. I've done it on my own and it's been incredible. And I've done it in all ways. 
Um, mm -hmm. Each of them serve me at different points in my life. And I think what's important is be with yourself in your chapter mm -hmm. and finding that sense of self in a society that in our systems, our macro systems are highly, highly oppressive, takes power, takes knowledge, takes work. And mm -hmm. I want to be, I want to be somebody who helps people with that work. So uh, yes, um, be with yourself in your chapter feels really potent. And like, right when you said that, I felt such an invitation to like, notice what chapter I'm in and to validate that. So just like inviting listeners into that to be like, what chapter are you in right now? And can you be with yourself in that? And I think, I think it's so loving. So fuck yes to that. Hello, beautiful listener. I just wanted to pop in and give a gentle trigger warning for the next part of this episode. There is a mention of sexual assault. We don't get into any graphics, but just check in with yourself and see if this is something that you are available for today. Make sure to honor yourself. In terms of your advocacy work, is there anything else that you want to share that feels like a really core part of what you do? Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for asking. As a dancer, so I've danced in burlesque for years professionally and then moved into go-go. I've uh, won awards for like uh, Best Dancer in the City as well as awards for um, Best Producer. And something that's really important to me that I bring to every show that I'm a part of is um, safety. So something that is a major part of my story around personal reclamation and sexual reclamation was um, I, I did put one of my perpetrators in jail. And mm -hmm. so uh, I have more than one perpetrator, but um, it took me until this particular one to be able to fight the system. And what I'll say is that journey is a lot. And whether you do or you don't, I stand next to you because it is a lot and I've been on both sides of it and there is no right or wrong. But um, in the time that I decided to fight, I did get to put my perp in jail. And that night I came home and one of my best friends called me and she had been raped. Mm -hmm. And when I was laying in bed next to my partner who was um, uh, F to M at the time, um, and so F to M and, and presenting a straight, uh, was, um, he had told me that he was raped and I was sitting there and suffocating and there's no other word for it. I was literally suffocating. And so for myself, um, I'm going to quote Victor Frankl here and talk about suffering without meaning is despair. And I was sitting in absolute despair because I thought that putting my perp away was what I needed to do. And then I realized that there is no stopping this like absolute hemorrhaging. And so I decided to bring it to my dance. And when I brought this meaning, I created meaning. I, I left despair by creating meaning. And I created meaning by being a advocate through my dance. So many dancers feel like they need to, you know, be a certain way, look a certain, even look a certain way. I'm a freaking plus size mom over here. Like you don't gotta look a certain way and you can wear a thong or not wear a thong. You can be whoever you wanna be up there, but that's not an invitation. And I made it my point before every show 
to ensure that people understood what an invitation was and what it wasn't. And so I would show the tea video on consentiseverything.com before my shows. I would sit down with managers at bars and I actually wrote, and I'm happy to give this to anybody that wants it. Anybody that wants it that's in the performing arts scene, I have an incredible sexual assault and harassment policy that is like, has worked for me time and time again. And before every show, I would sit down with um, every bar manager and read it out, out loud to them to make sure that they fully understood every single piece of what safety looked like as a dancer in a space. And so a big piece of the work that I've done as a dancer was I reclaimed what being a dancer meant to me. I was not going into spaces where I would be consumed or pinched or my friends would be raped or no, like my art form is an expression. I am an energy leader of a room and you are hiring me because I have curated power for years and years and years to make sure that we are all having a good time. But what's more important than a good time is a safe time. Mm. And so a big piece of my own personal reclamation and finding meaning through all the absolute despair that is sexual harassment, sexual assault, and um, the performance culture was the way that I reclaimed my body through dance, through um, my relationship with what performing arts looks like. And I do wanna put this out to any performer or dancer out there. If you need a policy statement, I will give it to you, have it, take it, edit it as you need it. Because I think that it's, it's essential that we start doing that paperwork before. And if the bar or the manager is not willing to sign a sexual harassment or sexual safety policy, take that under consideration mm -hmm. and be sure that, you, um, that you're being safe out there and, and be, good, be good to one another. Um, yeah, I just think that through all of all of my reclamation, I just want to kind of end on the statement that my sexuality is how I created meaning. It was so, so real to me and so close to me and so natural for me that no oppressing factor, no oppression can take me away from this like, from this compass that guides me. And, and I just think that I want to offer I want to offer that truth to as many people as I can. And I hope that, um, yeah, I hope that if you need any information or that you want any information that you can reach out to me around your sexuality and around my sexuality, because as you can hear, hopefully that I'm quite open about it and I'm happy to share and explore. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing and for doing that work. It's really powerful. And it's something that I haven't really heard being talked about specifically the, the sexual assault and harassment and, and the dance industry. So I'm really, really, really glad to have your voice and that work featured here. And I'm curious how folks might be able to connect with you and to tap into some of the resources that you named. Um, if you want to share like handles, website, any offerings. Absolutely. So you can get at me at my Instagram handle at with.love.from.layla as well. You can find me on Facebook under Layla Lay. That is my dancer's name. So that's Layla Lay, L-E space L-A-Y. And um, yeah, you can also reach out to me via email at Sarah, S-A-R-A period M 
period Bruno, B-R-U-N-O at gmail.com. I'm more than happy to send you um, any of the references. Everything that I've said today is based on academic uh, academic research or else from my own personal experience. So I'm happy to send you any information that you need. And yeah, please, please reach out. And yeah, that's that's pretty much that. Yay, you're fucking amazing. I'm so happy to know you. And I feel like we're friends now. (laughs) Thank you to all the listeners. I'll also link everything that you just said in the show notes so that people can easily find the contact and everything. So thank you, thank you. And thank you everyone for listening. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much for listening, loves. I hope that you received as much from that conversation as I did in terms of learning, inspiration, and oof, this conversation just genuinely had me tearing up at so many moments, especially around those religious trauma and reclamation pieces. We all so deserve to feel safe, beautiful, liberated, and empowered in our authentic sexual expression, whatever that is for you on any given day. So thank you so much for listening. Please do share and leave a review for this podcast if it resonated with you. It really helps us to amplify these messages and to celebrate these incredible voices that we are featuring here. Remember that my ebook is available for just $12 for only about one more week. So now's the time to get it before the price goes up. That's marleylist.com slash 22. It's an incredible ebook featuring 22 journal practices for sensual self-love. This is absolutely for anyone, all bodies, all sexual orientations. We've got you if you're someone who wants to start your 2022 2022 off right in a way where you're really prioritizing the pleasure and self-care you deserve, then this is absolutely the offering for you. You can go ahead and get that today. You'll get instant access to it and you'll also have access to a free one-to-one call with myself. These are always such beautiful calls and it's always an honor to connect with each and every one of you. So new episodes of the podcast out every Wednesday. So excited for you to hear from next week's epic guest as well. And I'm sending you so much love.